Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Apollo Audio Podcast. Welcome to the Apollo Audio Podcast. Yeah. yeah. I am Martin Lumsden and I am here as always with my stupendous, have I used stupendous before? What's stupendous co-hosts, <laughs> Billy Hills and Miles Mitchell. Is the alien here this week? <coughs> He's gone. The, He's alien's, gone. the alien's gone. He's well, that, gone. That's, that's not a good sign. <laughs> the, the alien was very positive. Yeah. Oh no, it was just, the alien was just very inquisitive. <laughs> <laughs> As always, we're here to discuss two albums from the Rolling Stone 500 Best Albums of All Time list. I always wonder if I'm going to get those words in the right order. I think I did all right that time. Um, normally selected at random, but this week on a change from our normal program. Controversial. We picked two. Because at the time of recording this, it is the 50th anniversary, we're sort of halfway in between the 50th anniversary of release of both the albums this week. Mm. One was out on the 12th of May, 1972, and the other came out on the 19th of May, 1972. So we thought we'd celebrate, well, I thought we'd celebrate the 50th anniversary Mm. of them, and you agreed with me. (laughs) (laughs) But it does mean for the second week in the row, we're talking about the Rolling Stones, but for the first time, and the first album that we'll discuss this week, is Elton John. First appearance uh, on this podcast for Elton John, with his album from 1972, number 251 on the Rolling Stone list. It is called Honky Chateau, released on the 19th of May 1972. After a couple of weightier singer-songwriter outings, it was delightful to hear Elton John revel in the simple pop pleasures of Honky Cat. Written in four days and using his signature touring band for the first time, his fifth album is a snapshot of an artist loosening up and coming into his full powers, rendering classics like Rocket Man and Mona Lisa's and Manhatters, as well as curveballs like the adolescent Ang Ah what word was that? Adolescent Ang The Adolescent The Adolescent Angst of I Think I'm Going to Kill Myself into a Jaunty Confection. This is his fifth studio album produced by Gus Dudgeon. Uh, first of seven consecutive US number one albums for Elton John, uh, all produced by Gus Dudgeon, as it happens. <coughs> uh, May 1972, the number one movie was The Godfather. Uh, the number one album was Bowlin' Boogie by T-Rex, and the number one single was also by T-Rex. It was Metal Guru. Uh, here's an appropriate fact for you. On May the 24th, Glasgow Rangers won the 12th European Cup Winners' Cup final against Dynamo Moscow. Rangers, of course, and appearing in, the in their final uh, European... I think it's probably their first European final since. Yeah, it would be, I yeah. think so, yeah. Another 50-year anniversary there. And well, um, no, I think they got it into, like, 2009, but they lost. Did they? Good Could memory. semi-final. Good facts, Billy, if that's true. They were true. quite good. Oh, no, they are better early than that, but yeah. <laughs> Who are you, Martin? Are you... Were you Hamilton? Have I made that up? Hamilton? (laughs) (laughs) Where did you get there? I don't know. Bartic Fissile. That's that's quite a a leap. Uh, No, Heart of Midlothian. Because I'm from Edinburgh, I know. You're you're, you're either hips or hearts. Or at at one point, Meadowbank Thistle. I don't know what happened to Meadowbank Thistle. I don't think they exist anymore. Hearts, hips, big big, um, rivalry there, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, that's the derby, yeah. May the 31st, the 16th European Cup was won by Ajax against Internazionale, winning 2-0 in Rotterdam. Rotterdam? Rotterdam. Rotterdam. 
Anyway, so that was a long ramble about May 1972. <laughs> so, Elton John, Honky Chateau, 1972, fifth studio album. Thoughts? Or shall we skip it? <laughs> uh, I'm uh, I'm a big Elton John fan. I'm seeing him at the end of the year. Well, hopefully. Uh, He's been put off four times with oh, COVID yeah. and everything. Is he playing at Vicarage Road in, 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 in July? It might be. He was a, a Watford manager, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, um, uh, owner. Owner. Yeah. Not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would have loved that. Uh, Elton John running up yeah. his own touchline. But I see he's playing on July the 2nd at, Vic- in Vic- at Vicarage Road. I think I'm seeing December. I could have been changed. But yeah, big fan. But it's the first time I've probably listened to an album of his. That's what, one of his greatest hits. And um, there wasn't the whole yeah. way through. And I, my dad, I grew up with it. My dad's a massive fan. I talked yeah. about the other day. I'm more of a fan of his more of the like ballady ones than the sort of like I, I don't know what how you'd call it like rock and roll rockabilly sort of stuff mm, that this sort of is roll, yeah. um, and I much prefer the ones he's an amazing singer songwriter and piano player I much prefer the ones where it's more stripped back and just him like the Mona Lisa ones first time I've ever heard that. I thought that was great Rocket Man's one of my favourite songs I think that's amazing Yeah, I got reminded very much of like Van Morrison sort of vibes where it was just like and Bob Dinley where it was one where there was no piano, it was more guitar. Well, one started out, it might have been Slaves or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of this. And the more, it's so catchy, that thing, I'm going to kill myself one. And there was another more like rocky one where he's not, I just don't think the melodies are as catchy. And um, I think I like it when he's a bit more sad and seeing more about like love and ballady sort of stuff. Yeah. Rather than these more upbeaty ones. But, I don't know what album's on. He still um, writes amazing rock tracks. That Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting, it's not on this one, but. Yeah. I prefer that sort of stuff. That's what I know about and that's what I'd think I'd rather listen to. But it's a bit half and half, wasn't it? What, you prefer the ballad, do you mean? Or the yeah, rock? definitely. Oh, right, yeah. okay. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I was actually surprised at how um, many like genres there were going on yeah. in this. It was like the most eclectic uh, album. And actually, it massively, I felt, contrasted with the Stones album that we'll, we'll come to shortly, mm. which I think all sound quite samey because I listened to them back to back this time. And that was a major standing out point for me. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, well, it's hard not to be a big fan of Elton. I, I've never seen him live, but I know a lot of his songs and I like his music. I think what m- most impressed me about this particular album was actually his vocal. Mm-hmm. I thought his voice was, it's incredible. Because when I said about all going through the different genres, it really, it's like almost like, yeah, it's like the rock and roll stuff, mm. almost a bit bluesy in place, but mm. then he gets very soulful in other songs. Mm. There was a great track of forgotten the name but he starts with just his vocal on the keys and it's just yeah it could be like a soul mm. singer so yeah I, uh, I I thought it was a wicked album really good and yeah just I really enjoyed it from start to finish I know what you mean sometimes I think we associate his biggest hits are more of his uh, ballady yeah tunes but for me I think he he gets away he gets away with it all you know and he's kind yeah. of kind of carved out his own lane with that sort yeah. of I think he does it and I think he does you can def- definitely hear it's 1972 how many albums have we done that have been early 70s yeah. and that that genre must be so messed out of time because every album we listened to has sound, had that sort of sound yeah. doesn't it and he but he, he changed it was yeah. do you agree it was a like, very eclectic yeah wasn't definitely it? but I think him and Stones almost, have got such like an American influence in their music definitely they could and almost you, be American yeah. bands or artists I think the way he sings I don't know he sounds quite American sometimes. Was um he's um lyricist with him? Has he been in the whole way through? What's his Bernie. name? I think Bernie. Still Bernie Bernie Toppin. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was much later that they sort of separated. So this would have been Elton John, Bernie Toppin. Yeah. Uh, era, yeah. Do you know Elton John's real name? Arnold Palmer. 
No. <laughs> I know. He's a golfer. He was a golfer. Um, <laughs> I know. Do you know it? Yeah. Go on then. Well, I know it, and you know it. Billy's trying to remember it. I know. Uh, so oh, I will get it. I will get it. Begins with R. Reg. Reggie. Uh, Reg. Reginald. Yes. Yeah. John. Reginald Dwight. Reg Dwight. Reginald Dwight, but you can call me Elton John. Yeah, that's good. Very yeah. Good. Did you did you both see the film as well? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I much, I much preferred it to uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, I've got the opposite. I love it. I'm not a big fan of like, musicals. I think it would have been better if it was just more about like his sort of life and had like music thrown in. Oh yes, it was more of a musical yeah. one, wasn't yeah. it? That's right. It was good. I mean, at least with the Elton John Rocket Man one, it's like we're sort of making this up and we're playing up the fact yeah. that we're making it up. Yeah. It's fantastical and therefore take everything that we're showing you here with a pinch of salt. Yeah. The Bohemian Rhapsody movie is presented as if it's documentary fact. Is it and not? it's not. <laughs> it's got everything was in Elton, the Elton John's was as well, wasn't it? No. It's got like dream sequences and all sorts of stuff going on. Oh. It's very Elton John. I mean, it is, a, it is biographical, but yeah. it's got all sorts of stuff thrown at it that kind of takes you out of the straight story. Whereas the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, the Queen one, is told as if it's sort of straight. What's wrong with it? It's just rubbish. <laughs> That's what's wrong with it. I, 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 from my point of view, the, the bit that I went, and it's not that it's terrible, it's just it's just sort of nonsensical, and maybe I'm not the biggest Queen fan in the world, that might have played against it as well, but there's a moment early on in the movie where he's lying on the floor with his supposed then girlfriend, mm. and he leans backwards oh, over yeah. to the piano and starts playing the beginning uh, of yeah. uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the song, yeah. and I'm like... Uh, it's that kind of movie. Okay, <laughs> could have happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> that sometimes the best melodies come in yeah. when you're upside down. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's how you, that's how you would play it. Uh, yeah, yes, no. I don't get how you can't like Queen. It's just got so many bangers. I yeah. didn't say I didn't like Queen. I said I'm not the biggest fan. Oh. I think is what I said. Well, he's he's saying he, yeah. he can't believe yeah. you're not a big fan of Queen. Yeah. yeah. Well, when we get to cover a Queen album. We will go into See. that in more detail. Mm. Anyway, we've we've diverted from uh, from Elton John. <laughs> what do you think, Martin? All in all, I thought it was good. Yeah, I think I thought it was good. I, I agreed. I, I wrote down the same thing. It's so, why is he well, not why is he singing an American ac- accent? But he is singing in an American accent, mm. and I hadn't really noticed that until listening to this. I thought yeah. there's definite Americanism, yeah, in the way he's accenting things. But equally, I thought he sounds a bit like Jagger. At points, mm. Mick Jagger, the way his vocal is doing, so I thought Mick Jagger's doing the same thing, and adding on to that sounds a bit like Van Morrison because Van Morrison yeah, does a similar thing yeah. as well. So it's all that sort of connectivity, like you said, that sort of American um, sound. And this was, I mean, I think Elton John became huge in America around about this yeah. time. Like I said, this was first of seven consecutive number one albums, which is amazing. <laughs> like, I did better yeah, to do Main Street or this one. The charts, do we know? I don't know. Um, so I suspect this one was the bigger, <laughs> the bigger chart hit. I don't know. I kind of want to say it's a slightly odd album, mm. little bit quirky. You said about his vo- his vocals, which I think are great. I did think it's he sounds like a young man on this yeah. album, which he obviously was. So that would explain it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's uh, had such a spanning career, isn't he? In terms, yeah, of, so I was but he sounds that. like a, yo- a young guy singer. I thought like that's the kind of oh, this is a young Elton John. It's interesting, like Honky Cat as a song. It's like, what genre is that? That's the opening mm. track yeah. on the album. I thought, what, what is that? What is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's got that sort of, it's almost like, uh, 
I don't know what it it's is. Like bouncy, like, ca- playful, isn't it? It's like I don't cabaret, know. Yeah, type, yeah, almost. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Vaudeville, vaudeville type. I don't. Maybe it's because it's been used in that sort of setting. Uh, but yeah, just trying to figure out the 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 genres. I agree with you. I preferred. It's like oh yeah, when he's playing the piano, I like it. And when there's no piano, it's like oh, feels like there's yeah. something missing. Like those yeah. tracks that were more guitar led didn't feel quite as strong. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't know. Did you get the? There's a version of the album that's got a uh, what do you call a it? Fast a fast version. A reprise. It? Yeah, fast version. Yeah. Um, and my initial reaction was, oh, this is better. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer it. I don't think it was on the original album. I think that's been sort of chucked on. I didn't, on as I didn't a, get that. Yeah, it's so much better, thing. yeah. What did it, what uh, was it? Slave. Uh, is it Slave or a Slave, isn't it? Faster mm. version of Slave. Oh, um, I listened to the slow version. At the end. Well, that's the one that's on the album. I think that's, mm. uh, I think that's been the chucked on at the end because the last track should be Hercules. Um, Rocket Man, standout track. I By think. Far, isn't it? Yeah. From when you're, is that because we know, though? Is that because we know that it, it, it's hard so to well. tell, isn't it? Is it is it standout because you already know it, or do you already know it because it's a standout? <laughs> it's kind of, does, yeah. Is that why it's? It's last one of those. Um, but I thought I was just as a sort of passing comment. The fact that it's called Rocket Man (open brackets) I think it's going to be a long, long time. Close brackets. Mm, yeah. I didn't really realise that it had that as a full, lot of songs have as that. a full mm. title. A lot of songs have that. Um, Obviously, very uh, current as well because Dua Lipa's just done a sort of rework of I love that, that tune. Uh, I track. think it's gonna be a long, long time. But the Dua Lipa version, just like that. I mean, it's very sort of current, dancey thing. Mm. But I have seen someone else do a critique of that, saying this is just why would it's, Rick Beato? I think we've spoken about before. So why would you strip out all of the glorious chord structure and nuance of that amazing mm. song and turn it into this? <laughs> sort of pedestrian single mm. major chord That's version of a song. It's got why Elton John, why would you let someone do that to your <laughs> he song? Does, he does oh, like, I can tell you why. He does yeah, exactly, Elton John exactly, does yeah. like a like a double verse or like three verses in a song though, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you really have that as much nowadays. It more gets to the point, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe. But I was expecting first time I heard it, I don't know why I was just thinking about it wrong. Yeah. I thought it was two verses, then the chorus, but it does get straight into the chorus really on mm. Rocket Man. And then there's yeah. a double verse after that. So it does get you like catchy straight away. It's a good tune. Mm. Would you say that's his biggest song? It's got to be Tony Dancer, and it'll. Can you feel? Can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> it's a good. I mean, there's there's so many. But sort of Elton John, what what's his biggest song? I mean, your song, obviously, sort of first big hit. That's, Cold Heart apparently big is his one. biggest song. Cold Heart. Well, that's Julie the version. That's the Julie. That's his biggest one. song ever. I'm well, still on, on what? On what? On, still based on what? <laughs> no, it's Rocket Man. That'll be like. I'm not out. Yeah, yeah. I think that's sort of come back into fashion, but there would have been a time. I mean, the biggest selling one would be "Candle in the Wind" because that was uh, goodbye, Norma Jean. Is that Diana? Yeah. Well, he rewrote the lyrics for uh, Diana. It was originally about Marilyn Monroe. Did he rewrite the lyrics, or did Bernie rewrite the lyrics? Good point. The lyrics were rewritten. I don't know who wrote them. I'm guessing Bernie because he always looked after. Can you can you feel the love tonight? Was written by lyrics by Tim Rice. That's right. That's from the Lion King. Lion King, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's probably that's a banging soundtrack. I mean, I guess Brilliant. bottom line is he'll have done all right <laughs> these songs, but he's had a lot. I mean, he's still that, touring, like still doing his bits, isn't he? He's well, like he's, you said, playing later on this year. He must have have. He must be one of the longest spanning artists ever in terms of. I think he was about twenty five, twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, mm. it's crazy, isn't it? And yeah. his voice, and actually, I don't think his vocal has de- um, downgraded too much. And he's he's one of those artists that's gone through sort of 
it's it's what what do they say? He's now a national treasure, isn't he? That's mm. that's the that's the phrase to use. Elton John's a national treasure. Whereas he'll have gone through periods where it was like, yeah, this is a great artist, great rock and roll artist, and then becomes a little bit of a sort of um, heritage like. I was going to say a bit of a sort of a, a bit of a national joke to a degree. Has he ever gone away? Really? No. It's just been kept on he had a lot, pushing, he had pushing a lot, out hits. A lot of problems though, didn't he, obviously, with drugs and things. I think now it's such a common thing, especially that sort of 70s music business seems to be awash with it. He yeah. seems very settled now in terms of his life and his family and just... But he, doesn't he always say it's going to be his last tour and then comes back and does another one? Probably, yeah. That's what that's what he's known to, been known to do in the last like, three yeah. or four, five, I think five years. I, I think he has acknowledged that just from a health point of view, he can't carry on. Anymore. Still think, goes for it, doesn't it? Well, he had to key. cancel. There was obviously COVID got in the way of doing stuff, but I think he had to cancel uh, because of a hip yeah. injury, oh, yeah. hip problem, which I, th- I heard an interview with him where I think he said, like, that's just not going to go away. So um, this could be it. Well, you brought it up, Billy, today, and you mentioned it last week, um, Martin. I think he, it's similar to the Beatles in the fact that his greatest hits album, I know that more than actually know yeah. in the individual albums. Definitely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's probably the time we've grown up though isn't it yeah like, yeah so many great singles especially when you I mean he probably released his first greatest uh, hits album 30 years ago yeah ish if not before <laughs> so, I think my, my first and it had another 30 years of hits since he's had his first greatest hits album out sort of thing I think Lion King came out in 94 and I was born in 96 that's probably like my first like recollection of well I don't think he did any music after that really did he in terms of he didn't get any hits after that I mean I'm sure he still made some mm. Albums. Oh, that song with Blue. So, but sorry, seems, seems to be the hardest word. That was an tune, old. That yeah. was. Oh no, that's sorry a. Um, seems to be. And I take one of my favorite songs ever as well. Um, Get a gospel with it. He does the one with Tupac. It's such a tune. I haven't heard that. Um, oh yeah. Those who wish to follow me. Oh yeah. So that was uh, that was uh, one of his tracks that was taken yeah. to make Get a Gospel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so to it seems to be sampled a lot nowadays. It's weird that they don't, you know, he doesn't sit down at piano and goes, right, I'm going to write another hit. But they don't. They, they, he probably does. When was his last album? I'm not sure that he hasn't done that. Uh, I don't know. Or they just, what, they just haven't been hits then? I think he's had sort of kept them coming. But he has, apparently. It's not... <laughs> quite a bit. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just like kept, kept going and kept putting stuff out and kept being fairly successful. <clears throat> Not to the same extent, obviously, you're not having those sort of big number one albums and big number one singles to the same degree as he was in sort of 70s and 80s. Yeah. But but still, amazing artist, and I said, sort of national treasure now. And he's one of those, he's the guy that you keep hearing stories from, especially um, sort of new, upcoming, unsigned, doing all right sort of artists. I mean, like, like Dua Lipa as an example, but also I think people like the Anchoress, if you've ever heard of uh, of her they'll say, yeah, Elton John rang me up. Yes. He's, <laughs> he's like yeah. said, I've been listening to your record. He does a it's radio brilliant. show. Yes. But he doesn't, not even for radio, he just like, he rings people up and says, love your record. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> we, we should, we should talk. On that. Man, yeah. man of people, it seems. That's a good point. He, well, he does a radio show where he does a segment where he looks for new music as well. Yeah. Which, which is great. So here's a question for you both. Elton John or David Bowie? Elton John. In what sense? Who'd you, prefer? Who'd you fancy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which, which one would you go for? <laughs> Great friends, especially around this era. Who do you prefer? 
I don't know that there's a. Who do you prefer? I think quite, it's quite. I think it's quite a good comparison, isn't it? British around the same sort of time. They're very different, though. I think They're different, but they were sort of like national heroes. Yeah, yeah, national treasures. Yeah, I think it's. A, I mean, I've always. I don't know. I sort of reel against these comparisons. It's you know, it's like why do you have to choose? Why can't you have both? If you had what, to go and see what last year. There's two gigs. There's an arrow saying Elton John that way. Well, I David think currently the way. Elton John gig would be better, definitely. <laughs> yes. It's a hologram. We've got to get an answer out of him. In their prime, Martin. Which way are you going? In their prime. Elton to the right, David Bowie to his left. Well, if you go in, if you uh, well, if you want to say 72, which is the year we're talking about right now, it's, it's Bowie because it's Hunky Dory and uh, Ziggy Stardust are the albums that year. And we'll so be, if it's 1972, if it's 1972, it's Bowie. Okay, but if it's I don't know seventy six, seventy seven, you're probably going Elton John because it's like yeah, that's the, the that's the hits. Whereas Bowie's gone. No, I'm sodden off to Berlin to take cocaine. Oh well, no, to get off cocaine, <laughs> and I'm going to come out with some avant garde. Weird. I don't even know what avant garde means. What does avant garde mean? Just used that, I just used that word and I don't know what it means. Big and strange, isn't it? <laughs> avant garde. But uh, well, I don't know. I don't think I've ever bought anything by Elton John, but I've definitely bought stuff by David Bowie. So maybe that's your uh, maybe that's your answer. There. Oh, there you go. Good answer. Just wanted one name. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to know all the reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I don't. It's it's almost like I really like this, but I don't know what to say about it. That's kind of. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's hard to kind of go, well, what, what do you, what you can't really pull apart apart from it's just that, yeah, that was good. I'm glad I've heard that now. I liked tracks on it. Um, and it was all right. And well, I rush back to it though, would you? No. Oh, Rocket Man, obviously, it's always going to be on my playlist and that. Yeah. And there was, I mean, Honky Cat, I, I, I liked, but I, it feels like it's too quirky for me to really love it as a song. Mm. It's like, oh, that's fun, isn't it? Mm. And then, yeah, leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> Did he record this in a chateau in France? Good question. I don't know. You've taken over, you've taken over from Billy on the oh, asking the questions. I don't know the answers to. I'm getting uh, must have surely. <laughs> I don't in know. four days, as well. Uh, that's what it. Yeah, that's quite impressive. Yeah, that's what he said, wasn't it? Yeah. Recorded and written. Nah, I can't be. Must have had them in there. Uh, in one the, of the things in, I, I found that maybe you should spend more time recording it. It might sound a bit better. We we spoke a little bit on a previous uh, podcast. I think we have spoken about collaborations. And obviously, the the big, well-known collaboration is Bernie Top and Elton John, right? Bernie Top and writes uh-huh. the lyrics, Elton John writes the music. Uh-huh. But I realised in doing this, Gus Dudgeon is the producer of this. Uh, this is the first album that he produced with Elton John, and it was the first of seven consecutive number one albums, and they were all produced by Gus Dudgeon. So I feel like sometimes it gets missed in the in the equation. So what what makes a great collab? What made the the success? What made the great collaboration? Is it to do with the producer as well, being part of that team, mm. putting that all together? Because I think there was a quote from Elton John saying uh, there was points during his working life with Gus Dudgeon. We said, well, I, I could happily go in and I'd put down my piano and vocal parts and then I'd just let him get on with it. Just sort of leave, <laughs> leave what, him. Yeah. And Gus, let, Gus will take care of it. What, the rest of the band sort of thing? Take, take care of the band, recording the band, doing the arrangements, string arrangements and uh, vocal arrangements stuff. So I, I could just leave him to it because yeah. I knew that he knew what we were going for. You know, people talk about George Martin as being the fifth Beatle, for example. Yeah. And Ken Scott, again, with the, the the massive David Bowie albums, just talking about David Bowie, those huge David Bowie albums in the early 70s, all produced by Ken Scott. Is it maybe the style of this album potentially a lot of it sort of piano oh no because there is some sort of more interesting 
songs on there, isn't it? With a bit more production heavy. I was just there's, gonna... six, there's six after this is what I'm getting at. It's, like I say, there's, there's seven consecutive US number one albums. And the bit that's glorified is that, <laughs> wasn't it great, as Elton John and Bernie Taupin working together. So yeah, they were. But also with Gus Dungeon is the other person who's involved in all of those albums there's one other person yeah I've never even heard of him so it's, yeah, quite, uh, it's that's, strange that's kind of what I mean uh, so I thought I would just mention that uh, did he work with I any think, other artists? yes he did but um, I haven't got a note of who they are <laughs> who they are uh, but yeah he was you know a, lo- a long term career and a highly respected uh, producer just not one that we've heard of before well I'm Gus he may come back us. again. John Landau of Rolling Stone magazine approved of the original LP as a rich, warm, satisfying album that stands head and shoulders above the morass of current releases. And in a mm. retrospective review, Stephen Thomas Erlewine of All Music wrote that it plays as the most focused and accomplished set of songs that Elton John and Bernie Taupin ever wrote. Okay, that was Honky Chateau. Scores, please, guys. Uh, four. Really? Yeah. Three. Uh, yeah, I feel a three. Feel, feel a three for me as well. Are you sure, Mars? Glad I listened, but is it? Yeah, I'm going to go with four. I, I did. I, great, great album. <sighs> yeah, I think it is a great album. Fair enough. I thought it was only got one single off it though. God, I don't know what you mean. But you start breaking you have your, You're entitled to your opinion. You stick to your guns, mate. <laughs> I just enjoy. I just enjoy your guns. opinion, but you're wrong. Don't have it. Don't have it. I, I, I enjoyed the over, overall composition of the album in terms of there wasn't there wasn't any that I wanted to really be like. Oh, I can't wait to skip this one or whatever. Mm. I kept, kind of felt like I there was something. Is that I, I, for, though? Do you know what I, it actually is? I think I'm a sucker, and this has come up in previous pods. I'm a sucker for sort of voices that have a bit of soul to them. Mm. You know, that's why I don't really get on with David Bowie. And I think Elton John's voice I really like. Yeah. Um, he's a great, great singer. So that's why I'm going, yeah, four. Good stuff. Ten. A ten for Honky Chateau. Our second album on the Apollo Audio podcast this week is our second consecutive visit to the Rolling Stones. Our third time on the podcast as well. Can't get enough of them. (laughs) Can't always get what you want, I thought you were going to say. (laughs) Which would have been a good gag. Uh, The the Rolling Stones, again, visiting this one because we are recording this podcast on the 10th of May, 2022. And this album was released on the 12th of May, 1972, 50 years ago, almost to the day. And partly, not just because it's 50 years since this one came out, but this is now widely regarded as their best album. Uh, It's their highest entry on the Rolling Stone list. It just missed the top 10. It's at number 14 on the best albums of all time list. It's the highest rated Rolling Stones album, and it's 50 years old this week. A dirty whirl of basement blues and punk boogie, the Rolling Stones' 1972 double album was, according to Keith Richards, maybe the best thing we've done. It's the Stones' greatest album and Jagger and Richards' definitive songwriting statement of outlaw pride and dedication to grit and cold morning redemption. Uh, Rolling Stone wrote a lot about this, they like it. In the existential shuffle of tumbling dice, the exhausted country beauty of torn and frayed and the whiskey-soaked church of Shinalite, you literally hear the Stones in exile working at Richard's Villa in the south of France on the run from the media, the British drug police and the UK's then onerous tax codes. The music rattles with corrosive abandon but also swings with a clear purpose. 
As Richards explained, the Stones don't have a home anymore, hence the exile, but they can still keep it together. A great example, Richards recorded his jubilant romp Happy with just producer Jimmy Miller on drums and saxman Bobby Keys whilst waiting for the other Stones to turn up. Exile on Main Street is the band at its fighting best, armed with the blues and playing to win. The number one movie was, as we said before, The Godfather. The number one album was Machine Head by Deep Purple. And the UK number one single was Amazing Grace by the pipes and drums of the military band of the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards. Oh, was that one wonder? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, no, they went on to have several, no. <laughs> Uh, on May the 11th, John Lennon said that he thought his phone was being tapped by the FBI on the Dick Cavett show. And on May the 12th, Paul McCartney and Wings released Mary Had a Little Lamb. Do you want more XL and Main Street facts? That's more? quite a lot. Got a few. It's their 10th UK studio album. Yeah. Produced by Jimmy Miller. Oh, here you go. It was a number one charting album in six countries, including the UK, the US and Canada. Uh, viewed by many critics as the Rolling Stones' best work and a culmination of a string of the band's highly critically successful albums following the release of Beggar's Banquet in 1968, Let It Bleed in 1969 and Sticky Fingers in 71. Miles, you were extremely taken with uh, some girls last week, so I um, yeah. feel like I'm going to go to you first. Um, see what you I think. preferred some girls to this, mm. which is, after hearing all that... Um, I'm, I'm clearly going against the trend. I thought this was a bit too bluesy for me, and I like blues, but this was... I like blues from... Oh, no, how do I say that? Not proper blues artists, but, like, you know, um, I suppose more sort of organic yep. blues. I don't know. Stones I, Stones I always see as a bit more rock and roll, uh, and this was very, very bluesy, I thought. Um, I thought it all sounded a bit samey. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I was listening on YouTube when they just kind of roll into the next song and I genuinely thought, I can't remember the, the two or three it was, I genuinely thought it was one song and it actually changed song twice. Um, <laughs> I thought, you know, um, there was some energy on there towards the end of the album. There was, a, there was, a, there was um, some energy as you'd expect with the Stones, but yeah, overall, I preferred last week's. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think you have to apologise. I, I, really I don't know. Did. I mean, personally, I'm not, I'm not that surprised that you said that, to be honest. Okay. Because they're quite different, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I felt listening to it myself, I was thinking, well, all the things that... Because I've had the advantage of I get to listen to the what we talked about last week when I'm editing yeah. stuff as well. So I get more reminded of what you've said. Yeah. Obviously, once you guys have said it, you've sort of forgotten that you said it. Yeah. Whereas I hear it all again. And hearing... <laughs> and that's hearing, normally how you work. It goes uh, in one ear. Yeah. Yeah, just, but you know. hearing what you've said um, about what you liked about some girls. Yeah. Um, this, and, and also a little bit of a reflection of what we didn't like about um, Aftermath. And yeah. I thought, oh yeah, this sort of, I feel that, I wouldn't be surprised if you feel that this is sort of pitched somewhere in the middle, in that it's a progression towards the rock and roll sound that they've got on some girls, but there's still quite a lot of that blues-influenced... Um, oh yeah, de- just sorry, the, just yeah. The, just the blues, oh, just sorry, the bluesy I, sound. I forgot about Aftermath here. De- I preferred it to that, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right. It, I, I would say, out of the three we've done, this would rank second, yeah, and, and, and somewhere in the middle. But... Nothing really, not yet. I don't know if it was maybe the mood I, mood I was in, but nothing really jumped out to me. I just thought it mm. was um, too bluesy and maybe it's my perception they've got to change. I just don't see the Rolling Stones as steeped in blues. 
For me, it was, mm. it's, they're better when they've got their big rock anthems with loads of energy. Yeah. I agree. I think it was bluesy, but I think this is how I, when we first mentioned the Stones, this album is what I expected them to sound like. Oh, did it? Mm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was more impressed by each individual musician on this album. I thought Charlie Watts impressed me on his drum ideas because he's usually quite like a vacant drummer. He's just like to hold the beat down, but there's some interesting drum parts. I really love, <laughs> I don't know who it was, Keith or the other guy. Some of the guitar fix, like the chorus he fixed, and that's your riffs they were doing. I thought Whose name great. we couldn't remember yeah. last week was Mick Taylor. Okay. Um, <laughs> that really impressed me. I think the best songs were was when there was like the opening one where there's more instrumentation involved. I think that really brought out the sound of the album. I don't think there's too many like standout really singles I can remember. No. It all sort of rolled into sort of one. Could have probably been like five, six tracks less, to be honest. But as Definitely. an album, that's what I liked. I liked it. It was upbeat and it was in places. I think actually it was smooth as an album. There's the highs and lows. And yeah. I think I really enjoyed it. Mix sounds great. I think, yeah. There wasn't one song. Them. Was there one song that I, you thought, mm, I'll write that down as like the standout, like... No, I just think they were all, there was all just a decent sound. There was no, re- like the, when you some girls, the opening track, it's like no straight away. There's such a hook. Yeah. It's probably the first track for me. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I think so, with, uh, with some girls, they opened with Miss You, which yeah. was the single. Yeah. So they've opened with the single. Not doing that. I don't think Rocks Off was a, uh, was a single. Although it's mm. a well, although it's a Shake well your track, hips. Yeah. I mean, there's some really well known tracks on this and sort of lat- latter days and mm. tracks that people love on this mm. for whatever reason. I think going, if I, we went from Aftermath to this, I think, oh, but the fact we've gone to Some Girls into this, I was more up for it. Did you prefer and this to Some Girls? Then? I think so. Okay. And I don't think it was, it was definitely blues in parts. I'm like, you, yeah, I don't mind my bluesy stuff, but I, I prefer the guitar work in this stuff. And this is the, it's probably bad as a guitarist, but this is the first time I probably sat down and probably listened to like Keith Richards' guitar playing. I know, I know why he's so like looked up towards. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It was just one, the, of but one positive I will say about it, which actually. Definitely felt last week. Can't would be lying. I can't really remember aftermath in terms of this point. But um, production wise, they definitely and I don't know because they produced it themselves. The, the some some girls did, so yeah. So they definitely nail sounding like a live like stadium yeah, band. Definitely uh, yeah. as production. Yeah, two weeks in a row now. I felt that in terms of it sounds like. And I said this without meaning to repeat myself from last week, but they it sounds. Like you're at a gig. Yeah. So much energy. Yeah. Energy. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard to do when you go to yeah. the studio. You might well, tell you what's hard to do. It's hard to do that when you're absolutely smacked out on heroin most yes. of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's it's what they wear for most of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, keep the energy up. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's probably not the right one to choose. Um, but you know what I mean? The production always I, yeah, I, like I completely f- know wow. what you mean, which I yeah. think is incredible given the the background to how they recorded this. And yeah. that it, they, there was huge amounts of drug taking, especially... Um, Keith Richards, but the the producer as well was he got into taking heroin whilst they were there. I'm not sure of the facts, Billy, but it's interesting you say. And I liked sort of some of uh, Charlie Watts drum playing on this. I think there are tracks that Charlie Watts doesn't play the drums on this. Or oh, really? I think, I think someone else played the drums on that. Oh, and no. I, I think I'm right in saying. You might have to, uh, if you're listening to this, folks, go and do your own research yeah. on this. I mean, but that I think, be more of a and diss, then I'm just yeah. wondering whether those ones are the ones that. Why yeah, that's, that's actually someone else. That. Well, there was a, the whole recording process was slightly ramshackle around this because they they're in a villa in France and it was sort of turn up when you want to. They had a mobile studio outside, so there were some sessions. I think said it there in the Rolling Stones thing. There were some sessions that not all of them were there. Um, one of them is just uh, Keith Richards and the uh, 
producer, I think. There's some stuff coming out at the moment because of the 50th anniversary, and I've seen somebody quote saying <laughs> half the time they didn't, they couldn't remember who played on the songs because they were so out of it. They're like, who is that? I don't know. on the thing i there's also i think once they'd recorded it uh mick jagger took a lot of it over to the states and there's still no sort of real record of what was redone or added in separate sessions um later on so it's 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 one of those kind of steeped in mystery types of albums of kind of how, how did it all come together it's just sort of dead sort of thing and no one can quite remember how they did it yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. but I think so I agree with you I think the sound of this sort of live stuff because things that I loved on this when I think about that, wait a minute they said they recorded this in a villa in France and they were all sort of drugged out and lost and all that bit and you've got these amazing horn sections yeah and brilliant gospel backing vocals and things and you think that can't be happening in a basement in a villa in France can it but it's great I, I find it interesting you're saying that Elstein is sort of the same Miles because I think it's actually quite varied, I think, sort of slightly eclectic, very bluesy. That's sort of the underlying route all the way through. But there's quite a change in sort of dynamics in terms of speed. I think what you're saying, there's quite a few Control. in a row that are the yeah, same. Maybe, yeah, because as I said that, I did think, because there was actually a few like ba- almost ballady ones as yeah. well towards the end of the album. Yeah. It's that middle, that yeah. beginning, m- beginning middle section, which was just after the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, it's the track listing. I think they've, they've, they've but maybe they did that on purpose. It's, yeah, maybe. there was just there was a period of it which which yeah every song rolled into the other for me. But no, yeah. you are right. There, there, what it did sort of vary into some other sort of territories with with BPMs and you know instrumentation, ballady sort of strip stuff back. Yeah, I would say some of the songs are a bit unmemorable right. in terms of. Would you put this as fourteenth best album of all time, reaction. for example? Probably not right now because you know I've never been a big fan of. The Stones, again, didn't say I hate The Stones. I said I've never been a big mm-hmm. fan. So the idea, and you know, we've started off on this podcast with me probably saying, I'm going to have to listen to some Rolling Stones stuff and I'm not sure what I'm going to think about it. Maybe I'll have my mind changed. As I'm sitting here right now, I'm going to say, yeah, I think I am in the process of having my mind changed mm. over the last two albums, not with the first one. That was just awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just didn't like it at all. That was bluesy, but it felt dull to me. This is that blues. was no energy. That yeah, no energy. this is bluesy but vibrant in some way. And maybe it's, you can't force yourself to like something, but sometimes it'll find you. There'll yeah. be a point, and like you said, maybe it's the frame of mind that I'm in or the time that I've listened to it. And there can be a point where you go, oh, right, now I'm starting to hear what I hadn't been able to hear before. Cream always rises. And maybe I'm starting to hear a bit more in the stones what I'd never heard before. I was also thinking maybe it's the benefit of having listened to two albums in a row. So you're kind of getting in the mindset, the hearing frame of going, okay, I've got, I've got some girls in my head already. So now I'm used to hearing, you know, I'm not coming to this completely fresh. I've got a bit of the stones in my blood <laughs> already over the last week. Yeah, Maybe that's adding to it. But yeah, I liked uh, Rocks Off. Um, the track that you saying like nothing stood out. Tumbling Dice, when, I, when that started i was like i know this don't i and that was a, i think that was a single that was a hit but as i think about that album i think you know what? i really like that track mm. i think that's a really good really <laughs> good song and i wouldn't necessarily have thought of it even if you'd asked me to sort of name 20 rolling stones songs i don't think tumbling dice would have come to my mind whereas now i'm like i think that's one of their best songs mm. so i've come around a little bit so i guess similar to what we talked about on the other album. I don't know if I'm going to go back and listen to this again. 
like very fast. Mm. But I did want to give it some time. You know, with um, doing this thing, so going back to Aftermath again, because why not? When I listened to that, I didn't really feel like, it's like, if I never have to listen to this again, I'll be happy. <laughs> Whereas with this one, I listened to it and I went, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to give that another listen because I want to really kind of get mm. into what I want. So I was sort of feeling like I've not got any problem with going back and listening to this again. Certainly not for the purposes of having to talk about it. I wasn't thinking, God, do I have to? Mm. So yeah, all right. Mm. So I'm starting to get a bit vibe. That wasn't your question, was it, Miles? <laughs> Did I ask your question? question? Does it deserve to be number 14 oh, on the yeah. best albums of all time list? I wouldn't put it on number 14 on my best albums of all time list. I can see why, though, like culturally, and like they're one of the biggest bands ever. I think they've got to be in like the top 20, in they, at least. Yeah. I know we're not the biggest fans of them, but well, I, think I, can see, I can see why. I, I, I guess so the interest... Some Girls was much better. Much I was going to say, I think that's the interesting question, is why this album? Because this, this yeah. was... This has found much uh, critical acclaim later, not when it initially came out. Um, that, we've had that a lot, haven't we, with a lot of albums? Uh, yeah, I was just looking at, uh, at what was their what was their reviews on this. It wasn't well received by some contemporary critics who found the quality of the songs inconsistent. In a review in July 1972 for Rolling Stone, Lenny Kay. Uh, said the record has a tight focus on basic components of the Stones sound as we've always known it, including blues-based rock music with a pervading feeling of blackness, but he added that the uneven quality of the songs means the great Stones album of their mature period is yet to come. That by the late 1970s it had become viewed as the Rolling Stones' greatest album. In retrospect, it's been called the greatest, most soulful rock and roll record ever made because it seamlessly distills perhaps all the essential elements of rock and roll up to 1971, if not beyond. It's the greatest rock and roll record of all time, distinguished from other contending albums by the Beatles or the Beach Boys, which are more brilliant pop records. On the response to the album, Richards has said, when it came out, it didn't sell particularly well and was pretty much universally panned, but within a few years, the people who had written reviews saying it was a piece of crap were saying it's the best fucking album in the whole world. So yeah. Funny how time can do that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's still another, where are we at? Another two uh, Rolling Stones albums that I think are on this list that are sort of pitched in between the ones that we've done. Should do it for the next two weeks as well. <laughs> no, maybe. Maybe they'll come up anyway on the random on the random thing. I mean, that's the interesting thing is that at the end of, if we've done all the Rolling Stones albums that are on this list, will we agree that this is the best one? And at the moment, we don't. Yeah. And the one that we think is the best one is the one that's least highly rated by the consensus of the Rolling Stone Well, Billy, for Billy proud this one. Oh, so you said, yes, you said you did, didn't you? Uh, I think I, pre- I, if I was really honest, I think I only prefer Some Girls because it's shorter. Yes. Yeah, there is yeah, that thing. Well. Yeah. It gives it more energy because yeah. it's like, oh, it's over. Yeah, yeah, This yeah. one went on. True. And on. I, I think that's what I'm like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give it some scores then, guys. I think I preferred this to Honky Chateau, but I don't think it's worth a four. So I think we'll give it a three. A strong three. A very, the strongest strong three. three you could give. <laughs> yeah, for personal for personal reasons, it's just got to be a two, yeah. Well. I was tempted to say three, but that would be just um, influenced by the acclaim it's received. Mm. So I'm going to say for personal thing, two, I will not yeah. jump that two, back in. Two is, a, in, in essence, two is, a, if you like the Rolling Stones, yeah, listen yeah. to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the three would be, yeah, it doesn't matter if, if you don't. Go yeah. for it. I think so. I gave some. I gave some girls a five, didn't I? Mm. You did. What was I 
thinking about? <laughs> you were you loved that. That was, was your that starting thinking? point. Was like this is the epitome of everything. If you want to listen to rock and roll in the seventies, mm. if the alien was here, <sighs> he'd agree. He'd remember that you said. Oh that. yeah, I said it's the soundtrack of rock and roll. That's, That's what you quote, said, wasn't it? It's mm. the quote on the the court on the episode <laughs> yeah but just just to reiterate i do love blues but yeah maybe yeah. maybe i've just got to yeah clear my perceptions of the stones and now i know a bit more that they were steeped in blues music I, I think it's okay this... just to yeah you, know, you don't have to do that. I think it's okay just to to rate an album on its own merits without having to reflect yeah you know, oh because it's the stones or the whatever yeah just like yeah. two yeah I get I I completely from everything you've said I completely get where you're coming from okay good I think I'll go for a three and my my three is kind of based on what you said is that you know it's it's worth a listen. If only to make your own mind up. If you don't yeah. really know the Rolling Stones, yeah, check this one out because people say it's the best Rolling Stones album ever. So give it a listen and see what you think. Yeah, that would be my, my take on it. Because I don't, you know, it's what is it? It's an hour long for a double album. Actually, it's only an hour. I don't think it particularly dragged. I know there's a lot of songs on it, and some of them sound the same, but I don't think it particularly dragged. I think you know, give it, give it an hour of your time. You're not going to regret it. I don't think you're going to say that was an hour wasted. Just stick some music on. Yeah. Have some rock and roll fun. So I'll give it a three as well. So uh, three. So it's quite a low. In the end, that's quite a low rating Mm. for what is supposedly one of the best albums of all time. We'll come back in a few years and absolutely love it. (laughs) That could definitely, definitely happen. There you go. That was Exile on Main Street. 50 years old this uh, week. That's what we think. Let us know what you think. Yeah. We'd go back to the randomizer then, because I think Billy would feel left out otherwise. I mean, yes. this is his main this is, role. This, this is, is, this is his job. Ready? That's right. So, uh, back to the randomizer to select our two albums for the next episode. Here we go. Yep. Give me a number. 276. 276. It's going to... Think. We'll be happy with this one. 276 is the Benz. Oh, Yes. Radiohead. Mm. So my favorite Radiohead album. There you go. So you don't need to listen to it. Then. Good stuff. No, you have to. You have to listen to it. Good. Pleasure. <laughs> you might. You might. You might remember it wrongly. You might think I love it, and then go back and listen to it. Go, I haven't listened to it for a while, and go. Actually, no, no I don't, that no won't chance. happen. That won't happen. The Benz uh, by Radiohead is the first one. Second Benz. one. Benny and the Jets. Thirty-three. Ooh, we get to go high up the list. I like it. There was going to be a hip hop one. Number 33, <laughs> hip hop. Not exactly, but it's another contemporary one. Back to Black. Oh, Amy Winehouse. Winehouse. Oh, to Black. Yeah. Nice. Oh, okay, what did you think enough. it was? <laughs> I thought it was Back There's in Black. ACDC. Yeah. No. Back. Oh, no, that's a, that's a great album. Winehouse. To Black. Mark Ronson. By Amy Winehouse. Yeah. The big, the big breakthrough album for Amy Winehouse. I think it's fair to say. 33. Yeah. Right. Yes, very highly rated, highly regarded Legendary album. album. Black, mm. Two Black, second and final studio album by Amy Winehouse. 2007? 27th of October 2006. <sighs> so it's 10 years later than the Benz. Benz was in 95, 94, 95. Good. That'll be exciting. Well, both, 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 well, unusually, we have both fairly contemporary British artists. I was nearly alive for both of them. <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> <laughs> I was. 
<laughs> I definitely was. I definitely was. Uh, look forward to that. Join us next week then when we will uh, be discussing those two albums on the podcast. Thank you, Miles. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. Thank you. Your insights are and wisdom. Highly and, and wisdom. And knowledge. Are highly appreciated. And intellect. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to let us know what you think of these albums uh, or any albums that we do in the future get in touch with us apolloaudiopod at gmail.com or anywhere you find us on social media uh, we'd love to hear from you like and subscribe and rate the podcast that helps uh, and share with your friends why don't you tell a friend tell a friend that you love the podcast I keep finding people who say oh yeah I listen to the podcast it's like, why don't you ever comment on it then <laughs> so we're very pl- I'm very grateful to you all but send us a message Let us know that you're listening. That'd be nice. That's it then, folks. See you next time. See you later. Are you sure you forgive me?